hear me at any point. So appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Nice to see full band up there, too, and you guys work and just love some of those songs. So, um, But today we are here mainly to worship, but we're also here because it is Father's Day. And so uh, we do have, and so uh, for those of you who are fathers or who have, or who have had fathers, uh, happy Father's Day to all of you guys there. I have to just kind of shield the eyes there. Um, and, uh, and also, because tomorrow, too, some of you have the day off because it's Juneteenth, so that's a, another celebration. Some of you, that, that's now an official holiday here. I'm, uh, I'm happy for what it celebrates, but I'm also weird because it's celebrating something that happened in Texas, and I don't know if I want to, anyway, if you're watching from Texas, sorry, that was lived there for a while. But, but back to Father's Day. Guys, we are glad you were here today, and I mentioned last week, that uh, Mother's Day is always that praise of mothers, and Father's Day is usually the time when fathers get their backside kicked a little bit, and uh, I said you wouldn't be disappointed. No, I'm not really going to do that today. We're going to talk about uh, some stuff to go on. In fact, I'm not going to, fathers, I'm not going to make you feel guilty. I'm not going to make you um, uh, feel bad. Uh, listen, I know for me, I, I, every Father's Day, I'm aware of all the mistakes that I've made in, in parenting, and their long list we don't have time to go through my litany of the mistakes I've made parenting. Uh, if you want it later, if you want to take me for coffee for two hours and, and hear it sometimes, I'll be happy to share it with you. But um, today we're going to look at a passage that is, uh, applies to everybody. It was written particularly to fathers, but it actually applies to everybody. And so I've asked Destiny Jones in, in, in uh, honor of Father's Day to come up here and read this passage for us. But I want to tell you, she's coming. I want to tell you about this passage. If you've been to a traditional, like a Orthodox or a conservative Jewish service ever, it usually starts with these verses. In fact, these are the these are the most right here. These are the most important verses in the entire Old Testament to many Jews. So, in honor of that today, I want everybody to stand. Okay, so everybody would stand as Destiny reads this passage for us. Okay, thank you, Destiny. Deuteronomy chapter six. Verses 4 through 9. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Thank you, Destiny, so much. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, these words are so important. And Father, we thank you that you have given us so many great words in Scripture. But Father, thank you for these especially. And on this Father's Day, Lord, help us to take these to heart. Father, may, may this be the start of a new level for each of us, of having your word in our hearts, in our, in, in our lives, and honoring it and passing it to the next generation. So guide us, guide my words, guide our ears, let us be attuned to your spirit today, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. Wow, all right, this is like, to, to me, these are, these are verses that give me just chill bumps when I think about it, and we're going to unpack these today. As we look at them, they fall into, it's six verses, they fall into pairs of verses, so we're going to take each of these verses in pairs a little bit today, all right? So first we've got verses four and five. Here's what it says. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So we're just going to focus on those two verse, uh, verses for a moment. And here's what I see in this passage. 
These two verses give us three ways that we are to love God. So we're going to look at that. In fact, if you've got, we have an outline today. If you don't have one and you want one, if you're one of those fill-in-the-blank kind of people, we might have somebody, I don't know if we've got any ushers. There may still be back out there. So does anybody need one? Raise your hand and Reuben will get one for you if you want one. If you don't want one, that's fine too, okay? If it helps you pay attention, if it doesn't help you pay attention, just ignore it, all right? But I will try to fill in most of the blanks. But on those rare occasions when you do fill in the blank things, you know that I'm a little bit ADD, so I don't always fill in all the blanks. So if you're one of those people that really, that type A personality has got to fill in all the blanks and I miss one, see me after service and I'll try to figure out what I meant for that blank, okay? But, so, so three ways to love God. Very important there. The first thing it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Or I like to use the word spirit here too because, uh, because I like alliteration. So we're going to use some S's here. But this is your heart, your seat of your emotions. And it's just saying you have, a des- have to have a desire to love God. It has to be something that, that comes from within. You can't just go through the motions. We've all seen people in our lives, and dads in particular, but again, this applies to everybody, but dads in particular, we know we can just do the right things, but not with the right attitude sometimes. I, one of the things my wife hammered on me about, and I, and I was very, very slow to get, is like, you can do those things, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't do it with a happy heart. And so some of the things we do as parenting, dads, we're driven by duty sometimes. And we know we'll do all sorts of things out of duty. Um, last year, my daughter came up for a visit, and when she went back to, to visit, she, uh, she took my wife with her because she was flying out to go somewhere, and she left her charger for her computer here, and she had an 8 o'clock business meeting. She's got this high-powered consulting meeting, and, and so she couldn't charge her computer. So at 10 o'clock at night, I get a call going, can you bring my charger down to me? And I promise, I tried to figure out all sorts of ways. I, this is where the dad troubleshooting gene really comes in handy, because I tried to figure out all sorts of solutions, but there was nothing that would matter. And so I had to cancel everything for the next day, drive at 1030 at night all the way down to L.A. When I got to my daughter's apartment, I called her phone and she didn't wake up, so I slept in my car till she woke up and saw my message. There Now I'm not, this is the hassle, my sweetie, if you're watching, uh, probably not, but if you are, okay, um, this is not to criticize you, okay? This is talking about just how dads are. And like it was like, you know, I, uh, dads, we, we do that kind of thing. We don't have a problem with that, okay? Because that's kind of, but you know, sometimes it's a thing of just having our heart turned toward our kid at the right time and stuff or toward, toward our wives. Or, and people, that can be with everybody. Dads are the, are the worst offenders here usually, but it can be with all of us. Your heart has to be in it. And this verse says very clearly, loving God is not just about doing the deeds, it's about having the heart that says, Lord, I love you with all my heart, and I want to do the things that you've asked me to do. I want to obey your word because of my love for you, not because just out of duty. Then it says you should love him with all your soul. And I like this. This soul is what makes you uniquely you. It means to love God in the way that, that, that he has designed you to be. God doesn't expect us to, to relate to him all exactly the same way. That is the beautiful thing about it. Now, I only had two kids, but there's some of you here that have, um, that, that have like lots and lots and lots of kids. By the way, they know what causes that nowadays, so I just want you to know if you, all right? But, or some like Reuben and Twyla that have, what do we count, like 2,300 grandkids or something like that that you've got? It's just like all these, but you know, they're all different, and you've got to love them in each different way. God doesn't expect us all to do the same way. Even if it's simple things like how I read my Bible. The way I read my Bible, engage with him daily in God's word, 
may not be the way that's most meaningful for you, but you figure out what works for you in your relationship with God and with your soul, with your uniqueness of who you are, you relate to God on that way and show your love for him in the way that it happens. Oh my gosh, there are people next door right now in Kidsville that one of the ways they're showing their love for God is by relating to those little kids. Man, that is not my place. Where I can take them in small doses. They're great, okay? All right, little kids for me are like saliva. It's great in small amounts, but you, know, you don't want a lot of it at the same time, all right? And so that's me. I can go and make, make a visit over there, but that's part of how they show love. So dads and everybody, figure out what it is about you that, that shows your way of loving God. And then it says, with your, all your strength. And that means just to, 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 uh, to give it your all, 100%. Everything, with everything that was in you. One, all the time, every day, 24-7, with everything that you have. Don't hold back part of yourself from God, but give yourself wholly to him. Not H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L, you know, however you spell that, all right? So completely to him. Now, I said there's three ways, but you notice there's four on there, okay? So I've snuck another one in here. Also, there's the mind, if you've got the outline there, because Jesus, when he quoted this passage in Mark 12, 30, he quotes this passage there, and he adds the word mind to it. Now, we've been told don't add anything to Scripture, but Jesus is the one exception to that, okay? Like, so he can do that if he wants to. And so he said, also love him with all your mind. I'm saying with this is, you keep growing. Dads especially, but everybody, keep growing in your relationship with Jesus. One of the things that we've been talking about a lot is getting involved in a small group or whatever your next step is in your relationship with God. What is it you need to do about, about your, your own spiritual formation, your engagement with God's Word, your prayer life, your witnessing, whatever it might be. You continue to grow and to learn. Why do I want each one of you to be in a small group? It's not because if you're a small group, you're more likely to stay and you're more likely to... Da, da, da. No, because that is one of the places we learn to study together to be more like Jesus. It's where we use our minds to learn more about him, to sharpen ourselves, to be better informed Christians and better pe people who can better act like Jesus in our everyday life because we've learned his word together and we've learned how to apply it and we're using our mind to be able to follow Jesus. Now, I've told you about these four, three, now four ways, okay, that we've done that. I want to tell you, these four ways are not actually really distinct ways of doing it. The way the Jewish mind worked this isn't really saying, this is a part, this is a part, this is a part. It's different ways of saying with everything that you have. 100% love Jesus in everything. In fact, when Jesus quoted this verse, it was somebody that asked him, said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, basically, it's to love the Lord your God. That is our biggest thing that we can do, everything that we can do. And ladies and gentlemen, again, I tell you, I failed in so, so many ways of doing this wrong of having the wrong attitude of not being able to do it right of not completely giving myself into a relationship not get into into relationship with my kids in a relationship with my god and it's something that i've had to learn and continue to grow in my learning and, and dads moms everybody want to tell you always be looking for how can i lean more fully into my relationships with my kids with my spouse and for all of us, you may not have kids, you may not have a spouse, but for all of us, how can I more deeply and fully lean into a relationship with my creator, the Lord Jesus Christ? That is something we do. And Father's Day today, this is the time to say, this is a reminder. I have a responsibility, a duty, but I also need to have a heart of leaning into God 
and relying on him and loving him more. Now, that's just the preface here for a little bit, okay? Because, because here's the really important part with this. You cannot impact dads, moms, grandparents, everybody. You cannot impact the next generation if your heart is not in it, if your soul is not into it, if you're not 100% fully committed to it, it's not going to matter. And here's, so I'm going to preview a little bit. I'm going to skip a little bit ahead into verses 6 and 7. We're going, to, uh, uh, we're going to come back to them in just a moment. But he says, these words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Then he says, repeat them to your children. And what he's saying is, all this stuff about loving God and about that, if you want to impact the next generation... Okay, this is what I call maximum impact parenting here for dads. Then you've got to get it into your heart first. God's word has to be into your heart before you can pass it on to the next generation. That's super important. And I know dads, there may be some of us here, and again, I'm speaking mainly to dads today, but it applies to everybody. But dads, we're like this sometimes. We don't, you know, we just want to get the job done. You know, it doesn't matter whether our heart's in it or not. The results is what matters. But here's what I'm telling you, you can't get the results unless your heart is in it. And I'm relying on a friend of mine named Richard Ross. So they already got the scene up there. This a guy named Richard Ross was a, just the most wonderful parenting guy. Have you ever heard of, anybody ever heard of True Love Waits? Maybe not. It was big in the 90s, okay? Richard Ross is the guy who created the True Love Waits movement. Started out of his church in Nashville, Tennessee. But Richard is talking about, he does this thing called heart connection. And he says, dads, first, if you want to impact the next generation, you've got to have a heart connection with God. It's got to be a clear, like, think of it like a pipeline to God. And if that pipeline is small, you don't get much flow through it, do you? If that pipeline is corroded or, or clogged with other things, you don't get much flow through it. But the job for us as dads, but again, moms, everybody, same thing. Workers in Kidsville, I know we've got people here that just, that are, that, your Sunday's coming up in Kidsville or nursery, and you're going to be investing that. Or you're an aunt or an uncle, or you just got neighborhood kids that all applies. We all have opportunities to impact the next generations. We all have that opportunity. So our first task is to get a clear heart connection with Jesus. Because it's only when we get that clear heart connection with Jesus that we can then pass it on to the next generation. Show the next slide there, if you would, please. So kind of see that it's, it's going to flow through you. Something I learned as a Sunday school teacher, like I know some of you don't know that term Sunday school, okay? It's what we used to call small groups, and we all had them on Sunday morning, all right? So we used to call it. But, um, but one of the things I learned as a Sunday school teacher is that people don't learn the Scripture so much in a small group as they learn from you what you've learned from the Scripture. There's an old, lesson, an old thing called the, the leader is the lesson. In other words, you know that if you have a pastor up here, that you don't see him living the Christ life, his words don't mean anything to you. But you got a pastor that's, that's just a godly person, you know what they're like, and he could stumble over his words everywhere, and you still, you still like, I get something out of it because he's got that clean heart connection to God. In fact, I'll tell you, I have a friend here in this town. He, he attends another church, so he's not going to listen today. One of the most godly men I've ever met. I mean, just every, you just, you, just, you just get in his presence, and you know, like, this man has been close to Jesus today. You just know that. Back when I was pastoring um, in my early years, he came and did a revival for our church. Honest to goodness, I couldn't understand half of the points he was trying to make. I just like, I'm like, I don't even get, it just wasn't a clear communication to me. But people came and made decisions by the dozens when he'd preach. Because it wasn't so much his words and getting it right. It was who he was. And people believed what they did understand of what he was saying because of who he was. 
So dads and everybody else, if you really want to impact the next generation, get your relationship with Jesus right first. That is the most important thing. If you don't have that right, you're not going to be able to continue to impact your kids. Now, as we looked on Mother's Day, that's no guarantee that everything will turn out right with your kids. <clears throat> and if you're messed up, that's no guarantee your kids are going to be messed up. <clears throat> but because God is sovereign, God can do what he wants. But if you want to give the best chance you can give for your kids to have a strong, clear heart connection with Jesus, it's for you to have that heart connection first. And the Bible here tells us those four ways to begin start loving the Lord your God. Now, let's move on from there from a little bit to talking about, in the next two verses, four times to connect with your kids. Now, I know this sounds like I'm teaching more than preaching here today. Uh, some people feel that difference because we're filling out some blanks here, but I think this is important, some important things for you to walk away with. So verses 6 and 7, let me read those for you again. These words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. You shall repeat them to your children. And then verse 7, talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Now, those are four times it talks about teaching your kids. You've got these words from God in your heart, and now you're sharing them to the next generation. Here, the Bible said this 2,000-something years, 4,000 years ago, three or four, however many years ago it was when Moses lived, all right? He said this, and it applies today, and I want to give you something interesting with it. You know, I, uh, for years I was a youth professional here in, the, here in the state and did a lot of study on it. And about 19, I think I got the date down here, like 1997, I believe it was, they came out with this thing called, uh, 1994, called the National Longitudinal Study of Adolescent Health. All right, you know when it's got a long name like that, it means there was a lot of government funding with it, okay? But as this longitudinal study means they studied it over, over years. So it was over many, many years they studied Starting in 1994, the first parts of the study came out. And here's what it said. It said two things that I thought were interesting. First, the number one factor in keeping kids out of at-risk behavior, and by at-risk behavior they meant things like drugs, gangs, suicide, dropping out of school, pregnancy, uh, just lots of things like that, just any kind of at-risk behavior, overeating, that kind of stuff. The number one, connect, the number one factor in it was not whether they went to church, was not whether they believed in God, it was not any of that stuff. It was if they had a strong emotional connection with their parents. That was it, the strong emotional connection with the parents. And I hate to say it as a preacher, but it's true that even for Christian parents, you have so much more influence on it than Hunter and I and everybody else on staff can have on your kids because of the strong emotional connection that happens. And the study went on to say that there were four times out of the day that it was most important to make a heart connection with your kids. Four times out of day, and here's the four times that they said, and remember, we paid a lot of our government money, our taxes went to pay this already, and it said first, dinner time. That dinner time is a time to make a strong emotional connection. And by the way, if you don't have kids, this is also for spouses. For anybody, dinner time is the time, just the way that God has designed us, that we are open to an emotional connection. In fact, for a while, network TV was doing a thing called, they called the family table, and they suggested that you eat dinner together four nights per week. All right? And I'm going to say that's the most important thing to do. If you can get home for dinner, okay? Uh, and it got dads, I mean, be there for dinner too. Be present. I was known for, if I was out of town trying to get home for dinner time, but when I was in town, 
I was often 15 minutes late for dinner, and that was a wrong thing to do. That was one of my mistakes. You know, I got the big things right, but not the little things right sometimes. But be there at dinner and be present. And do some simple things like, man, I'm going to suggest a no cell phone rule at dinner. You put, all put your cell phones away. That's a, that's a great thing to do. I believe, for, if you have, for those of you who have young kids, I know we don't have a lot in here with young kids, but if you have young kids, I'm going to tell you, the biggest technological blessing God has given to families is the DVR. Because there is no, like, as soon as this program is over, pause, it's over, come to dinner, all right? You don't have to worry about it now. And, Jay, I see you laughing, Jay. I don't, care if it's, I don't care if it's your favorite baseball team. Just don't listen to the radio. It will pick back up. Yes, you'll be 30 minutes late, but you don't have to know what the outcome is, all right? So pausing it and going and focusing, so dinner time. But here's the interesting thing. If we go back to this passage and look at it, it says that, one of the times to do this, to connect, was when you sit in your house. Dinner time. That's the time they sat in their house. Was it dinner time? Scripture's telling us, connect with your kids when you're sitting down together. The second time it said to connect with your kids was when you walk along the Oh, sorry, I want to make a commitment thing here. I almost forgot that. I'm going to ask you if you've got kids at home or if you're influencing grandkids regularly, have dinner together with them regularly and invite the Lord to be a part of it. That's the commitment I want you to make. That you have dinner together. Is right. Now I know it's not always possible, but figure out how to do it as best you can to be able to do that, to have that dinner time together. All right, so the second thing it said is the time to, to connect with your kids was after school. All right, that, that was the time. This is National Honor Shadow Study. He said, after, right after school is the time to connect emotionally with your kids. Man, I discovered this like crazy. When my kids were in junior high, my son went to, to University High School, which is near my office. So I wound up picking him up. Uh, my daughter went to Buchanan, uh, to, to Alta Vista at Buchanan, the Buchanan Complex near my wife's work, and she, she picked her up. And during that time, I drew, grew, grew much closer to my son, and my wife grew much closer to my daughter. But on those rare times that I picked up my daughter, I learned this. When my daughter gets in the car, this is my smartest play. Honey, how did your day go? And then shut up and listen for 15 minutes because she would download everything about her day. Stuff whether she really wanted me to know it or not, she just had to download it. And, and I just needed to learn, and I didn't. Dads, I wasn't great at this, okay? Moms, this applies to you too, but dads, we struggle with this. I wanted to kind of, you know, solve her day or... or or tell her I understood her day and stuff like that. She didn't want any of that. She just wanted to download her day. But I could learn so much about my daughter at that point just by listening. And so same thing. And, all right, I'm going to pick on a wife now than a husband for a second, okay? Jackie, when he gets home from work, if you can get him to talk, ask him how the day went, and then listen. Shut up and listen for a little bit, okay? You're probably going to learn way more than he wants you to know, all right? Just but so so just after school after that now now you say like how does that relate to this so let's go back to that passage again all right and so it says here on that passage that you should talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way now in Bible times kids didn't go to school they learned from their parents so the girls and I know it was a, it was a different time than it was today but the girls stayed home with the moms and learned how to manage the home and prepare meals and and prepare the clothing and just manage things and there was a lot of there was a lot of work with that and sometimes the household animals and that kind of stuff but it said connect with your kids as you're doing those things together the the sons were out in the fields or whatever with their dads or the shops with their dads like jesus the carpenter shop was probably with his dad in the carpenter shop at those points 
But since we don't walk with them by the way right now, after school is the time that's immediately after they've walked by the way. And that is that time of strong emotional connection. So, Dad, I'm giving you, like, these are bonus points here, okay? This is when it's like, you know, double, double points right here. So, actually, more than that, probably five minutes right after school is worth 15 minutes any other time of the day right there. So, just kind of keep that in mind. So, here's the commitment I want you to make here. I want you to consider that um, you will wind up trying to be there for your kids after school, somebody in your family. Now, I know that's hard. I know in California, it's almost impossible to survive, even here in Fresno with a, two, with a two-income family. And I would never say to a family, okay, I would never say to a family, somebody needs to stay home with the kids, okay? I, I know that's hard to do. And we, we all can't move to lower Alabama, you know, where the, where, where the income is, is, is less, okay? Um, but, but I'm going to tell you this. You've got to try to figure out how to work around this. So I'm not going to tell you now that if you've got two-parent kids and your kids are latchkey kids, you've got two-parent families and your kids are latchkey kids, they're going to turn out wrong. That's, I can't say that. I'm not going to say that. It is possible. I do know that they'll tell you that one of the highest times for teen crime is in the two hours after school's out, when, when the kids are unsupervised before parents get home. It's also, I found out, one of the big times for teen sex. Probably at home, dad's probably in your bed, okay, because it's probably the biggest, most comfortable bed. In the room. That was, that's been, there's been some studies showing that. So that is important to be there after school if you can. But if you can't, I'm going to ask two things of you. In fact, I remember talking to a family in San Diego that was asking about this. And I said, I would urge you guys to consider either figuring out some way to lower your lifestyle, your, 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 your standard of living, or look, consider moving somewhere else. But if you can't, if you can't do that, you figure out the best way to work around it that you can. And that means that, that you know, then you learn how to do your best. You have to make up for it at other times. I kind of look at it this way. How many of you have, anybody ever hammered in a, sh a nail with a shoe before? Anybody ever done that? Oh, nobody's going to admit it? Come on, I've done it so many times. All right, yeah, we do, all right. I know, Red, I know you've never done it. You probably got a specialized hammer for it. Yeah, not a shoe, okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, you know, a wrench then, a, a large wrench or whatever. All right. But hammering in a nail with a shoe, we've all done it or tried to turn a screw with a, with a knife, with a butter knife, you know, that kind of thing. We've all done it. Let's go back to the hammering in the nail with a shoe. All right. It can be done, but you run a greater risk of damaging the shoe, damaging the nail, or damaging the wall. But it can be done. So all I'm saying is, you can still relate to your kids if you're a two-income family and they've got a couple hours where they're unsupervised, but it's just much more difficult, and there are some more dangers, and you've got to work harder to make up for it in other places. Does that make sense? Can we agree to that? So don't hear me saying, moms, dads, if you're working and you don't get home till 5 o'clock, you're robbing your kids. I'm just saying you're making it harder, and you've got to work on it a little bit better. And if there's any way you can be available to them, do that. And I will even tell you this, and again, I know we don't have a lot here, but some people say that actually... It's more important for, like, a, a mom, for example, or a dad can happen with that. I have a friend here in town that the dad is the chief caregiver because the wife can make more money than he can, so he's doing studies at home to, for school, but he's the chief caregiver of his kids. I don't care if, if that works out for your, boy, for your family better. That's great. It doesn't matter to me. But, um, but one of the things that I, oh, I forgot where I was going with that. I hate it when I get off note. All right, that's why I go back and look at my, 
it's when I step back like this is when I know I've gotten off topic and I've got to get to my notes here, okay? Um, that just figure out ways to, 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 to make it up at different times, if you can. That's all you've got to do. Oh, here's what I was going to say. I, I knew it would come back in a moment, all right? That's, that's, that's old people stuff right there, okay? Anthony, you're headed that way one day, all right? Just that's, all right? So, um, but, but some people say that it's more important for, for a parent to be home with a kid in the junior high years than in the, the first three years. There's some studies that said that, that that might be even more important. So just something to think about that's not out of Scripture here. That's just something else for us there. But let's keep going back to the Scripture or we'll be here way too long. They didn't set a countdown timer for me, so I'm assuming I still got 35 minutes to go here, all right? So, all right, so, so where are we now? All right, so when you, when you lie down, when you, ride, uh, so when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, the second one, second one, they found that the time to do it was at bedtime, that this was a time for a strong emotional connection with kids. Now, guys, think for a moment. When you think back to little kids, don't they always want to get talkative at bedtime? Oh, my gosh. All right, for those of you who aren't parents yet, you'll find out that you're ready. Like, you're done. You are so done. It's bedtime. It is finally, I get some, some focus and some quiet, and they want to talk and talk and talk. And I was like, sometimes like, no, it is bedtime. You are going to bed. No arguments. I'm the dad. Do what I say. And just now, I wish I'd go back and do so many of those times of connecting with them at that point. Okay, my wife, who's a singer, always sang them a bedtime song, especially for them, that kind of thing. Maybe you got some other kind of ritual, but that is a time to connect with the kids, even when they're teenagers. Even when they're, Joyce, with Gary, even tonight, okay, before he goes to bed, <laughs> connect with them at some point. Gary, how old are you? 47. All right, is that really his age? All right. You had him when you were like three? Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. I know that was, a, that was cheap laughs, but but I like joy, so, all right, even then, it's a time to connect, it's, a, it's, it, there is something about that, about making that connection, and what did the Bible say about that, it said, when you lie down, all right, so there it is, so when you lie down, bedtime is a good time to connect with your kids, so families, I want to cons- ask you to consider having family devotions in the eve- evening, and calmer bedtimes, if you can, and end the day with the Lord as best you can. I'm going to move on a little bit long. I think we've gone on long enough with this. The last one this, this National Longitudinal Study said was when they get up in the morning was a time to connect. Now think about when your kids were, were in high school or, or elementary school, what mornings are like. Is there a lot of yelling around and, and, and rushing around and, and um, uh, you know, and is there, is the name of Jesus being invoked but maybe not calling on him but maybe just kind of, you know, <laughs> complaining to him or whatever? How would it change your mornings if you woke up your kids with a prayer for their day? How would it be if you could send them off as students, not as students, just as students, but as missionaries to their school or to their preschool or their daycare? Uh, Making that commitment in the morning. One of the smartest things my wife did, she had been inconsistent with her her quiet time in the morning. Not, Not like she never had it, but just inconsistent how she did it. And she made a commitment that she would get up before the kids and make sure she had her quiet time before the kids woke up. And she always had it out in the living room or out at the, the kitchen island because if the kids got up or if I woke the kids up, she was still having her quiet time, kids would know that's where mom's been. And it changed this, how our mornings started. And God bless her for that. For me, one of the ways I tried to do this, and again, men, moms too, we're all made differently. So we got to figure out how it works for them. I traveled a lot in my office, 
But I was one of those guys that if I had a meeting in San Diego and it ended at 9 o'clock at night, all my coworkers would stay that night and drive back the next morning. I would drive back. So I might get in at 2 in the morning, but I would do that so that I could wake up in the morning with my kids and take them to school. That was part of my commitment at that point. Uh, and my kids turned out perfect. So, no, I shouldn't even <laughs> I shouldn't say that. It turned out better than I did, so we'll leave it at that. I, that's one of those statements I should never make. It's not in my notes. I should have never made it. And when I say it, I'm going to tell, sorry, I've got something in my eye. There we go. That I'm going to get in trouble for it. But when you get up in the morning, and that's what this last passage said here. It says, and when they rise up. Now, isn't it interesting that our government spent millions of dollars for this National Longitudinal Study just to figure out something that God said to his people 3,500 years ago to connect with your kids at that point? So I just want to consider you to start the start of the day with Jesus. Now we're going to get to the last two verses here, verses 8 and 9. And in this verse, we find three places to cherish God's Word. And this applies to all of us, to every one of us here, not just to dads. It says, you shall, these, these words which I'm commanded to do shall be on your hearts. You shall tell them to your children. And then the last two verses say, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Now, that's an amazing thing right there. And here's, the Jewish people had an interesting way of doing that. But this talks about three places to keep God's word. The first place is in your heart. All right, we were talking about heart earlier, but now it's talking about just making God's word in your heart right there. And they had an interesting way of doing that. Let's look at this next picture there. They had this funny thing called a phylactery. All right, some of you may have heard of it before, a phylactery. And that is a, a special ribbon they wore on their left arm. Okay? And in it, they had a little box. That was called the phylactery, and it was, there was a big ritual of how to do it. But in that little box right there, they had four verses of God's Word written. Deuteronomy 6.8, which is our verse right here. Deuteronomy 11.18, Exodus 8.9, and Exodus 8.16. Those are written there. And here's why they wrapped it, this elaborate thing, this ritual, remind them of how, to remind them of how important God's Word was. But when they finished the product, if it was right here on your arm, right here on your arm, I guess. When your arm's down by your side, guess what it's close to? Your heart. That was the visible part of their body where they'd be in the natural part of their day was closest to their heart. It was to remind them that God's word was to be in your heart. Now, again, um, it's not about the ceremony. Some people have a ceremony of doing something with God's word like that is, is helps you remember it, that's fine. But the idea was there that God's word really needs to be in your heart. In everything that you do, everywhere that you go, every day, it needs to be there. And it's not just talking about memorizing scripture, because we always go to that verse, um, your word I have treasured in my heart, that may not sin against you. That's Psalm 119.11. But it's, it's, it's about making it a part of your life and everything that you do. God's word has to be in your heart. And if it's not, you'll never be able to pass anything of God's word on to the next generation. The second thing, they also had another phylactery that, was, that helped them with their head. So the next place was in your head, okay? So God's word should be kept in your heart. It also should be kept in your head or in your mind. The second phylactery was wrapped around their head in a special way. So there it is right there, and you can see how it was this little box there. Now, it was only the very strict Pharisees that did that in the box there, but it was a way of putting it right there, those same verses, and it was to remind them that they were to be growing in the knowledge of God, that they were to learn more about it. Not just to love God's word, but they had to learn it as well. So to, to, to love it and to learn it, all right? 
And so that would be great. In fact, bonus points for anybody who comes to church next Sunday with one of those on their head, all right? So if you can do that, all right? Um, I know I'm seeing Red and Debbie talk here, and I'm thinking he's probably figured out how to make one or something. That's all I can figure out, maybe. Um, if you're watching this online, I refer to people here. It's just some of the weird people we have in our church. And just a very sampling of the, all the weird people we have in our church, all right? We've got a full... T- so you're welcome. if you're weird, you're welcome here, all right? So that was that second phylactery. So those are the two places to put in your hand. And just, again, I want you to learn and to grow and develop as, as followers of Jesus. And then the third place to keep it was in your home. And he says, so, so he says, you should bind them as a sign on your hands. They shall be as symbols on your forehead. And he says, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Now, this is another funny word they had. It's not phylactery, but it was the word mezuzah. All right, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. If anybody has a Jewish background, I think I'm pronouncing that right. My Hebrew has gotten rusty. But that's the thing of the mezuzah. If you go to go to a traditional Jewish home, you'll see this little cylinder. That's, I, I, don't, I don't know why right now. I should look it up, why it's at, a, at an angle there. But it was put on the door frames of homes, and people would touch it as they walk in. It had those same four verses in it. And it was a ritual to remind them this home, this city, the gates, all were dedicated to God. I think it's nice that it, that it says that it's three H's. Easy to remember. Put God's word in your heart. Put God's word in your head. Put God's word in your home. The home was the place where the Lord was to be honored and cherished and worshipped and studied. Okay? Now, there's nothing wrong with studying God's words at Starbucks. But you know what? Especially if you've got kids at home, do it where they see it, where they know. This is Dad's place to study. This is mom's place to study. This is my husband's or wife's place to learn God's word and to study. And if it, I don't have it in there, but there's three L's that actually relate to this too, I think. Heart is loving it. Head is learning it. Home is living it. So God's word, love it, learn it, live it everywhere you go. That's how we impact the next generation. So let's get ready to wrap it up here, okay? I know there was not a lot of, not a lot of interesting, cool stories, not a lot of in-depth background of all these words, but a little bit. We learned about the phylacteries and mezuzahs and a few things like that. But really, here's what I want to say out of this passage. Men especially, heads of households, but everybody, you first, you first have a love and a use for God's Word. Second, you figure out the ways that you can impact that next generation. And I even say, like, let me talk to the, the, the teenagers in here. Maybe the next generation doesn't mean kids that aren't born yet, okay? Maybe the next generation means the class under you at school. Or maybe the next generation is the people who will come serve after you. For, for us, for, for older people that maybe our kids are, are up and gone now, maybe it's the next generation of leaders we invest in in this church because God will be continually raising up new leaders. It all applies there. Dads, the stuff we're supposed to learn as dads applies to the next generations over and over again. Moms, same way. Maybe you don't have any family here. Maybe you're living alone here and there's no other family here, but there are people here that you can invest in. There are other people's kids. There are other leaders you can invest in. There are people all around. And using God's word in this way is a way that we invest in them. And so having in your head, having in your heart, and having in your home, even if you live alone, is going to help you make that investment in the next generation. So let's look at what it means for you today. All right, here's the commitments I want you to think about. First, what changes do you need to make 
in your love for God. I'm asking seriously. I want you to take some time to examine how, how you live out your love for God, how it shows, what it is in relationship to your heart, to your soul, to your strength, and to your mind. Do a self-inventory on that. Sit before the Lord and say, Lord, give me a grade on this. Help me know where I need to go next, what I need to do. There may be a few of us in here that God says, hey, you're right where I need you to be, and boy, that's great. Probably for most of us, there's a few things that God says, hey, you're doing pretty good, but you know what? If you really want to become more like me, here's the area where you need to focus. That's probably for most of us. What do I need changes do I need to make in my love for the next generation? Again, that could be nursery in Kidsville or the youth ministry at our church. It could be the next generation of leaders. It could be the next generation of just people following behind you in whatever way it might be. Figure out the place where you're a leader, where you've got people behind you somewhere, and figure out how you can invest in them. Even at work. You know, um, when I was... Um, when I lived in San Jose, I lived near the IBM plant, the big IBM plant in San Jose. And uh, that IBM plant at one point was known for having more patents founded, at, uh, uh, applied for from that plant than any other place. But one of the things back in that day of IBM, in every employee's job description was this line, training your replacement. And they didn't mean like when the replacement comes trained, but you should always be training somebody to do your work. So that when you're gone, nobody's going to miss you. And I mean that in the best way. That is one of the best things that can happen. Like Wednesday night, I had a mix-up with an appointment with my son. And on short notice, I turned to Hunter and said, I, I, I got a bail on prayer meeting. Can you handle it? And uh, nobody missed me. And that's a cool thing. That is a cool thing, you know. They probably didn't, they probably, probably a lot of them didn't even notice I wasn't there until it got mentioned probably at some point. But that's a great thing to know that you're doing. So, so even at your work, as you're investing somebody else to do your job, where can you invest in somebody to be your witness at work? That kind of thing. So there's all sorts of ways investing. When I talk about investing in the next generation, and in what ways do I need to make changes in my love for God's word? You know, the Bible is not what people call sometimes our pocket pope. It is not the focus of our worship. God is. But we learn to love this word because it is our clearest picture of God's relationship with his people. It's our clearest picture of who Jesus was. And he definitely gives us our clearest picture of God. And it also tells that great meta-narrative of how God created us, how he lost us to sin. We talked about that last week. And how through Jesus, he redeemed us, bought us all back, and how one day he has come again to finally make everything right and to restore what he originally intended for us all. And so that's why we focus on God's word because it gives us the clearest picture of who God is and what he is doing in our life and how we can join him in the work he has given. Dads, you've been given a great responsibility, but all of us have been given that great responsibility also of investing in that generation and let's do it through God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have just been a great blessing. You have just helped us so much, Father. You have been there for us through thick and thin. Father, you have been there 
God, that it's just so amazing that you use the word Father to describe who you are to us. We know, Father, you are much more, much, much more than that. But we know that that's the, the image you chose to explain to us how you love us, how you care for us, how you invest in us. And Father, I pray for every person in this room that there would be two things that, would, that they would commit to today. First, a stronger relationship with you as their father and then a strong relationship with their father or their kids if it's possible so that father that image of who you are can be used to help us become more like you and to serve you better and to love you more thank you father and thank you that we can call you that in jesus name amen